Welcome to Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you'll hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. In this episode, Matt Warzel, the president of MJW Careers, discusses the use of artificial intelligence in recruiting and why a job candidate experience matters when applying for a job. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me, Marie. Matt Warzel is the president of the company MJW Careers, which provides assistance to companies in transition, whether it's a downsizing or a buyout. His company also helps job seekers advance their careers. Matt has over 16 years of HR and career-related expertise. He has a long history working on recruiting and staffing teams across a variety of industries. He and his firm have been uh, featured on numerous websites, including Yahoo Finance, Yahoo News, AARP, Glassdoor, Sherm, Chicago Tribune, MSN Money, Healthline, and many others. So Matt, the last time I had you on our show, we talked about some of the ways people can break into the field of HR. And you give very specific recommendations for polishing one's resume. And at the end of that show, you mentioned that during a job interview, candidates should really be humble about their accomplishments. So I invited you back on our show to discuss how candidates can find the right balance between being humble, but also projecting that they are the best, that they are the right fit for a company. And I also would like you to discuss some of the ways organizations can improve the job candidate experience. So let's start with humility and boosting one's accomplishments to land a job. How can a candidate find the right balance between the two? That's a great question. And, you know, this comes with the territory we're in nowadays where things are polarized with social media and everything is a bit smaller, right? So the world prior to had people would would read about current events in a newspaper and have to wait with telegrams and, and communication was a bit slow. And now you're able to find global market news about a company you want to invest in in Belgium and you can get instant access to what's going on with that company in a matter of clicks. So, I mean, and that was just me spitballing an idea, but so you can see the difference, right? I mean, we're, we're hungry for information, valid information, because there comes a territory now also of misinformation with all the voices out there, but it's imperative that we still stay true to who we are, not try to be influenced so much with what's going on out there and try to just find our place in the world and how we can be better for for, for everyone else, else out there, right? So offering our accomplishments, yes, people, hire managers, readers, recruiters, everyone trying to make this decision of uh, staffing in the staffing world, they want to, they want you to be the right fit for the job. So immediately know that you don't have to go in there and toot your own horn necessarily louder than it needs to be tooted for, for lack of a better term. They're bringing you in for the interview regardless, uh, or at least considering your candidacy because they want you to be the right person. So what you need to do is just stay pragmatic and stay true to who you are. So that way, when you're talking about these achievements, it doesn't seem like you're kind of a blowhard. It seems more like you're someone who is modest and someone who, you know, quite frankly, 
is there to be of value to the hiring manager. And if you were to be a fit for that role, it will come out. Those achievements, accomplishments, they will stand out. Now, they are not, they don't have a crystal ball. So you need to nudge them a little bit with the resume that can highlight some of the achievements with some narratives during the interview process that can communicate that value, as I mentioned. Do people have a tendency to overstate their accomplishments sometimes, even to the point of lying? I would say they shouldn't. Obviously, me personally, as a professional resume writer, I never have a fib on a resume and I'll tell my clients that right away. But there are people out there that will. The thing with that is you're going to get caught eventually, regardless if you've managed to somehow wool over the eyes of the hiring managers that are the ones that should kind of be the final call, um, you know, in terms of identifying that you might not be a valid candidate because the recruiters only have so much knowledge and information about the position. But once you're in the hiring management room, things get real. And if you were to somehow figure out a way to, to get through them and actually get a paycheck or, you know, a first week of work in, I'm sure it's going to catch up to you. But yeah, you never want to fib. You never want to overdo your accomplishments. Again, that goes with this idea that I had mentioned on the last call we had about, you know, not being ambiguous in your in your terminology and the way you present your credentials and your content on your resume. You want them to still be relatable, but impactful. So you don't need this overly flowerly, over, overly flowerish kind of language that almost comes down from some other part of the world that no one understands what's going on. You don't want to confuse the reader. You need to be pragmatic, get to the point too, because they don't have time for long narratives about what you can provide them. So short, concise, to the point, impactful achievements that relate towards that targeted role, you'll be set. Traditionally, we have talked about people needing a job. They need the company. And yet, we see more and more a reversed approach whereby candidates say that the company needs them. So who needs who more? Is it the candidate who needs to appeal to the company to get the job, or is it the company that needs to appeal to the candidate to get the job filled? And so we often see that in competitive industries, such as the tech industry or, or even healthcare, where there's a dire need for qualified workers Sure. And and that's, I think you've hit it on the, the head right there where it all depends on the scenario. And I wish I would have a direct answer, but honestly, I've been in the staffing world where we've had a, a project that we needed 50 people to go and quality control some little widgets. And so at that point, the company needed the, the candidates more than the candidates needed that role. They weren't paying very much, but these people can get a hundred bucks for a few hours of, of sorting some, some equipment out or some pieces of equipment. Whereas in some cases, the client is going to be headhunted by the company because the company, maybe it's an executive role or a leadership role or what have you, that is so niche and they are so focused on a certain uh, task or, or projects throughout the year that there's almost no one out there that, you know, they call them the purple squirrel candidates where they're just someone who matches every single part of the job description, which is kind of rare. But those purple squirrel workers exist, and I've been a part of recruiting them as well. So it goes hand in hand with the scenario. I would just say this, though, as a catch-all is we all remember being unemployed or, or looking for work at certain points of our life, and those people hiring were also in that boat. So you just hope that they have some of the empathy that plays into the hiring process at that company, that they aren't just numbers. There should be a name associated with the candidacy. 
and make them feel welcomed even if they don't end up getting a job offer at the end of the process. Exactly. You had mentioned the candidate experience is so important now, and it all comes down to there are people online and there are places online to voice yay or nay against companies like a glassdoor.com is, is a big one now and reputation matters. So the more negative impacts that are perceived by the public that are mentioning these things online against your company, you know, the, the worse that company is going to be seen. And, and so you might lose some brand advocacy or you might lose some employees that they might get fed up with some of your policies or what have you. So, you know, you got to find that fine line. But again, I think it's just a, there's no real catch-all answer for this. I just think it's scenario based on time, space, role, function within the company, the culture of the company, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to talk about the job candidate experience in a few minutes. Large companies often rely on computer technology and artificial intelligence and automation rather than on a personal and hands-on approach to screen candidates. And I wanted to ask you about that. Is the use of artificial intelligence really effective for organizations? And is it really good or bad for, for candidates? You know, this is something that is obviously more in the forefront now as as candidates become um, even more aligned with what our expectations in hiring process. So these people understand that there are these AI automation type software that we call applicant tracking systems or ATS for short. First off, obviously, automation is a great thing, right? I mean, I, I like it for my company. I know companies that are trying to staff might be large that so large that they can get lost in the weeds with their candidates and they can get lost kind of where they're going to sort out the, the the right people for the, for maybe future uh, opportunities. So this ATS essentially is just a one piece of software catch all that will bring all these resumes in to a funnel and then store them there for the recruiters in house to go and find later uh, in case they see someone that might not be a fit now for a job, but maybe later would be a fit. They can go and find them and source their resume out for the hiring manager at that point. So, and there's some science behind what you should have on that resume to get found by those recruiters. There's, you know, those, those key skills we call them and, and we can discuss that on another call or later, but what it comes down to it though is, Personally, the software I think is beneficial for the reason that it helps streamline and speed up the recruitment process. You know, they offer these integrations to make it easier for the candidates as well as the the, the people from the from the company. And then it also helps manage those kind of social media posts and job board posts and the career web pages area of the web of the company website. So it helps kind of bring all this stuff together. So I like it, but then on the candidate side of things, it can either be a overwhelming or B, you don't even get seen by human eyeballs in some cases. So these applicant tracking systems, there's a hundred of them and there's a hundred rules for each of them. And there's every company has their own way of doing things with them. So you kind of have to have this pragmatic approach when you're write, writing your resume. So then you can kind of give yourself the best shot of being seen by human eyeballs. So I think it's kind of comes down to general technology that we all say it's a love hate. You know, you love it when it's working, you hate it when it's not. And depending on what's happening with, with what type of technology you're using, you know, some things you like better than other things. So I think it just comes down to that kind of that, that idea that, you know, Hey, it's great because it helps a lot of people. It even helps the candidate in terms of getting them in front of the hiring manager rather than the old days of going and knocking on doors and applying on newspapers and all this kind of stuff. It gives them the edge, but then there's a lot more people involved now, you know, in terms of competitors that you're, you're, you're applying against. 
And also it has that chance that you might not get seen by human eyeballs. So there's the give and take and all in all, it's not going anywhere. So what I say to my clients is that you play the game and, and set yourself up correctly. So then that way you're able to kind of beat as many of these ATS because that's what we kind of call it in the industry, beat the ATS and get seen by human eyeballs where at that point, maybe they'll, they'll bring in for an interview and then you can just sell yourself. So it's going to be a, I think it's just going to be a continued kind of love hate for some people going forward throughout the rest of until something bright and shiny comes along after ATS. And I don't know what that will be, but I'm assuming something will be down on the horizon in, in 20, 25 years, what have you. But for now, play the game and set yourself up. So you're actually getting through to the, to the higher managers. Let's move on to the topic of job candidate experience. Organizations are investing quite a bit of money in what we call the job candidate experience. Can you tell us what we mean by candidate experience and what does a positive candidate experience look like? Great question. Yes. Yeah, so this is kind of a, um, it's, it shouldn't be called new, but you know, how everything kind of gets labeled eventually. So then it becomes a part of the, uh, we'll call it the zeitgeist, if you will. And right now everyone's talking about candidate experience because there's a lot of smear campaigns against companies that didn't handle the candidate properly. And the more you get people bantering online about that, the more, the more apparent I think it gets. So now there's articles about this and it's something, it's something that's been around though for a while, but candidate experience essentially is just that series of interactions a job seeker has with the company throughout that recruiting process. So anytime there's a communication, whether it's uh, the candidates receiving from the, the, the brand messaging side or, or the software itself, or maybe the employees, like the recruiters, you know, as a former recruiter, we used to track all of ours, all of the these communications in an uh, ATS. So it's essentially any communication with the corporate career site, the job advertisements, the online job application process from the applicant tracking system itself, the interviews that you might conduct, any communication with the HR professionals, team members, recruiters, or leadership, the notifications about the candidate's application status, and then a rejection letter or job offer. So that's the actual experience interaction setup. And to make it positive, the biggest thing, and this always goes with all my answers, is just being honest and genuine. So clear, honest, and consistent communication is key. When you're effectively communicating with candidates throughout each step of the recruiting process, you are considerably more likely to have a positive experience with that company rather than having someone where they might have, you know, ghosted you, we call it now, where no one gets back to you. So to have it positive, you need to set realistic expectations for the job, for the work environment. You need to communicate your employee value proposition. You need to give the candidate all the employment details and resources they need offer easy and mobile friendly applications now because everyone is applying now or not everyone, but a lot of people are applying now on uh, through their mobile on top of buying mortgages, which seems scary to me. You can treat candidates with respect at all stages. You provide a pleasant, seamless interview experience. You smoothly transition selected job applicants into new employment or new employees. Maintain a gentle, respectful process if you are rejecting the candidate, the applicant, and then give new employees everything they need to succeed in their roles. So this kind of training, we'll call it radar, just kind of like a, a dashboard, you know, so you're not only getting them into the fold, but then you're helping them transition into the company seamlessly where then they become a, a high performance employee. But this all entails this entire experience that the person will go through 
from the initial, hey, I'm interested to week four, week five, week eight, you know, so the whole thing is kind of called candidate experience. Earlier in our conversation, Matt, you mentioned the importance of a job candidate experience in relation to the company reputation. So I want to ask you about that. Some companies pay to improve the job candidate's experience. That's my understanding. And one of the purposes of doing that is to figure out how to best reject job candidates so that the company doesn't get smeared online. So can you explain how handling a candidate's experience well can preserve a company's reputation? I think it comes down to first implementing those best practices within your HR team, your recruiting team, educating the hiring managers, because I know a lot of times they might not be a part of HR. And you got to let them know, too, that they are a part of this. They are a big part of this candidate experience. So if you can educate them on these best practices, like that they're writing clear job descriptions, they're making it easy for the candidate to apply, they're following up early and often, They're communicating with the candidates and thanking them during the hiring process. They're giving them the information and what to expect for the virtual or in-person interviews. And they're giving them full attention during interviews. They're telling the candidates they're no longer considering them as soon as they can. They don't let them just fizzle out. And then they keep certain candidates in mind for future openings and track them to ensure that they stay in that pipeline for maybe that next job that comes in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. So that, that kind of goes with that ATS uh, idea of collecting resumes in case there's another opening that comes available. And then finally, just giving honest and open feedback, because a lot of times you'll never know why you might have failed an interview. And we've all been there, regardless if you've made it to the third, fourth interview, sometimes you're not fortunate enough to have maybe a third party recruiter working for you that can explain what you did wrong. I mean, that, usually those types of recruiters will be able to assist with some feedback. But if you're going directly with the company, sometimes the HR recruiters at those companies won't even get back to you. And that, again, will cause someone to be frustrated and someone to maybe go online and write some some negative uh, reviews about that company on a glassdoor.com type website. So I think it all comes down to educating and training your HR and your hiring managers to understand that this candidate experience thing is the real thing that exists and they need to start playing their side of the game to make other people that are trying to find employment a a little bit more, um, we'll say, humane in the process. Right. In fact, in closing, I was going to ask you about one breakthrough idea about how organizations can improve the job candidate's experience without having to invest a significant amount of money. But the things that you've just highlighted don't necessarily cost anything, right? Right. And, you know, and that's kind of where you can have, you know, these ATSs and these CRMs, which is a fancy word for client relationship management. Essentially, it's just another type of, it's not an ATS, but it's another type of software that manages communication with people. You don't need to spend all this money on the ATS and the CRMs and interview tools and and induction mechanisms and all these things that go, you it's literally, my last takeaway is, again, think about the person looking for work. You were there before. How does it feel when you get ghosted, when you don't get called up, called back, or you don't get any feedback? I get it. There's 100 applicants. It can get out of hand. And that's where you lean heavily on having the right things in place so it doesn't get out of hand. So you're expecting what to expect and knowing how to handle that for when it happens. And, and I think that's my last takeaway is, is just treat them how you want to be treated. We've all been in that boat looking for work. People have it rough especially right now. So, you know, build in that humane type of thinking uh, with your HR department and your staffing crew. 
Thank you, Matt, for sharing your insights with us on the use of artificial intelligence in recruiting, but also on why a job candidate experience matters. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Human Resources. In each episode, you will hear about current HR topics and trends from experts, both practitioners and researchers, with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources.